We just read this uh, a little bit earlier. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared, pre- prepared in advance for us to do. We looked at that scripture a little bit uh, last Sunday, and now we're going to unpack uh, the three last verses of the 10 verses that we had read uh, last Sunday. But I want to I just recap a little bit. Uh, we're on a series called The Gospel Series, and we've been talking about the gospel. What is the gospel? And many of you, when you hear the gospel, you're like, okay, that's kind of like something that I've already heard. Like if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a while, you may think, well, the gospel is actually something that you, that you understand and you respond to like through baptism or marking a card or doing the sinner's prayer, and then once you've already responded to the gospel, then you move past the gospel and you go into deeper things. So what I argue in this um, sermon series is that the gospel isn't something that once you hear, you move on to, but that the gospel is something that once you hear, you go moving deeper into. You see, the whole scripture The whole scripture is a united story that leads us to the culminating moment of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So the Old Testament um, is the whole idea of predicting Jesus, and the New Testament is announcing Jesus. And so my desire is that you will have heard the same message over and over and over and over again. You see, the gospel is not one of the things that we believe, but it is the thing with which everything else clings to. The whole thing that we believe is subject to this one thing, which is the gospel. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, in other words, if it weren't for the gospel, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. You could say no one really graduates from the gospel, And the gospel is the thing that brings us together into this space today. So I hope you've been blessed so far. I'm personally on a journey. Like I'm rediscovering some things. I'm unlearning some things that I thought were true. And I'm excited about this uh, sermon series. I hope you are too. So, So today I want to bring in a different angle. You know, as I've said before, like, pastors, we're not called to preach on 10 different things. We're called to preach on the same thing 10,000 different ways, okay? So today I'm going to bring a different angle, and I want to start off with a question. I want to start off with a question. Um, Have you ever been confused as to what you need to do? Like, you go to someone's house and like, like, what do I, like, am I supposed to introduce myself? Like, what do I do? Or what do I, what do I do in the situation that I'm at? Like, you're at a party or you come to a church that you're not familiar with and you're like confused as to what you're supposed to do? So this happened to me once when I got a, when I got a job. This was a ministry job. And so I got hired to a ministry job at a church and went through the interview process, all that kind of stuff, got hired. And then I remember the first day of work, I was sitting at my desk and I'm like, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I know I'm here, but like, what's the... So I'm literally sitting there trying to figure out what to do. Like, what is, what is my job description? That's the problem. I never got one. So I didn't have a job description, and so I had to kind of figure it out on my own. And so when I think about that, I think about Christianity sometimes too. You know, like, what, what is our job description? Like, like, what is it that we're supposed to do? Because you may be here, and you, you may, maybe you've been hearing these messages in this series, and you're like, Pastor Josh has been laying down the grace pretty thick. 
Like, like, no condemnation. It is finished. It's all grace and nothing to add. It's all been taken care of. Like, so then there's nothing left to do. And you may ask yourself, is Pastor Josh, uh, is he becoming a universalist? Meaning, universalism is like, like those who believe that everyone is ultimately going to be saved. Now, I wish I was. Honestly, I wish I was, because I wish everyone were to be saved. And I hope you do too. Okay? And the reason why I hope you do too is because Jesus does. Um, 1 Timothy 2, 4 says this. Uh, who, talking about God, wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, He, speaking of Jesus, is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 1 John 2, 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so, so I, want, I would love for everyone to be saved. I would love it. So does Jesus and so should you. But fear not. I do believe in hell. I do believe in judgment. Not because I want those things like for anybody. Simply because the Bible says that both are real. But here's a thought. Name me one person who Jesus ever rejected. Name me one person who ever came to Jesus who Jesus rejected. You see, Jesus rejects no one who comes to him. It was people who rejected him. That's why no one was ever really surprised by the people Jesus would reject because he wouldn't reject anyone. People were surprised by the people that Jesus would let in. That's what was so uh, crazy about it. So, I am not a universalist, by the way, but I do believe that heaven will be much more populated than many people think. I will leave it at that, and I will continue on. So there's nothing left to add. There's nothing left to add, right? We talked about it. Grace, free forgiveness, it is finished. It's not about works. Not, it's not about our work for God, but it's about God's work for us through Jesus. And so a question comes up. So if there's nothing left to do, other than believe the good news regarding Jesus as the only way to salvation, here's the question that comes up. So what do I have to do now that there's nothing left to do? Right? Jesus did everything, so what is it that I have to do now that there is nothing left to do? What's your job description now that everything has been completed? Because I used to believe that we did have a job description that we like we do, but, but, the, but the job description that I thought that we had was not the one that the Bible shows us that we have. Um, I thought that my job description was to judge who's in and who's out. Like, you know what, that person, I don't, I don't think they're saved because look at what they're doing, look at their attitude based on their behavior. So I thought I was, uh, one of my job descriptions was to be the judge. Another job description was to save. Like I had to go out and find people and I had to go and save them. And if I had them mark the car to do the sinner's prayer, I'm like, yes, I saved that person. That person is now in heaven as a result of my conversation with them. But then there's the flip side. If, if I messed up my lines, then that's my fault that he's in hell. So I thought my job was to judge people. I thought my job was to save people. And I thought that my job was to convict people. 
I had to convict people of their sin. I had to convince them that their way was wrong because if you continue down this path, this is going to happen to you and it's really bad. I thought my job was to convict. And this was a heavy life. It was a heavy life. Not understanding what my job description was a, a, heavy, a heavy life. It was weighty. It was heavy. And so that question comes up now, so what is our job? What is our job description? If it's not to judge, if it's not to convict, and it's not to save, then what is our job? Well, Jesus answers this question to the Pharisee in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Let's, I'm going to read that real quick here. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so Billy Graham said it best, of course. He's Billy Graham. He said this, we're not called to save. Jesus saves. We're not called to convict. The Holy Spirit convicts. We're not called to judge. God judges. We have God judges. We have one job, and our job is to love. That's what we do. That's what we do. We love. We love. It's all over the New Testament. You see, we're not to determine who's in or out. We are not to determine who is in or out. You're not God. We're not to save because you didn't die for anyone's sins. We're not to convict anyone of their sin because all we can cause is guilt. We have one job, and that job is to love. To love. That's it. That's it, okay? Um, to love. Now, so here's, here's the problem with that. Isn't that a task? Like, it sounds like work, right? I mean, I thought I didn't have to do anything, but that seems like work to me. We've talked about this before. Pastor, aren't you contradicting yourself? I mean, you just said, it is finished on the cross. That is the declaration. And the invitation is, believe the good news of the finished work of Jesus. But now, I'm, I'm to love? That just seems like work. I thought it was finished. Um, if you look at uh, uh, verse 10 of uh, Ephesians chapter 4, sorry, uh, chapter 2, it says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, so that's saying it there, like we were to do good work, to do good stuff. So how does this work? And I'm going to explain how I used to understand this. Um, have you ever been annoyed by a hidden fee? Like, there's like this hidden fee, like, oh man, of course, right? The small print. So my, my dad's here. Uh, my mom's with her, her sister. She went uh, on a trip. And um, my mom bought for my dad a special like NBA pass. Like, there's the NBA pass. You can watch all the games. Um, of course, you can watch all the games except game six. So then you have to pay for that game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, seriously, like, I don't know how that works, but that's what happened. So we're trying to figure out game six, and so we've ended up figuring it out. But, but there's this hidden fee. Like, nobody told him that. You know, we had to figure it out. And so that happens in life, and I think it can happen in Christianity as well. Like, we think, we think that we've done everything. Like, okay, did the sinner's prayer. I walked down the aisle. I got baptized, okay? But now there's this hidden fee. Like, then you got to add, it's like you're almost there. You're almost there, but there's this one little bit of thing that you have to add to it to actually complete the work. That's what I thought that Christianity was. In other words, the sacrifice of Jesus was enough to save me, 
but now my love for others was what I had to do in order to keep myself saved. So if I wasn't loving like Jesus loves, then I, you know, I was falling short, and then the result of that was that, hey, maybe you're not saved today because you didn't love that much. So there's two problems with that. First of all, the Bible doesn't teach that. And then number two, how much love is enough? Like, when have you loved enough? Um... So here's what I want to explain in the next few minutes that I have is that, is that loving, loving is not a chore. It's not a chore. Loving is not a chore. When you love, it's not a chore. It's not you're adding something to the weight that you're carrying. You're actually lightening up your life as a result of living this way. Ephesians 2.10, again, I'm going to read it. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I like the ESV uh, version that says we're created for good works, for it, um, which God prepared beforehand so we could walk in them. I, I love this idea of a path. Like it's a path, okay? Um, the, it's the path of good works. You know, there's this path that you're, that you're walking. My, my confusion before uh, was that I thought that that was the path to salvation. But the path of good works is not the path to salvation. Jesus walked that path to salvation. He walked the whole way. He died on the cross. He completed the whole thing. The, 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 the path of good works is not a path to salvation. The path of, of good works is a path of purpose. It's a path of meaning. And it's a path of participation in the unfolding of God's work on earth. It's an invitation for us to participate with him in what he's doing on earth. John 10.10 10 says, um, the thief comes only to kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. This isn't salvation language. This is purpose language. It's a, it's a purposeful life. It's a full life that you live here on earth as a result of being part of God's work. So walking this path is not so you can be saved, but so that we can live the life we were created to live. So I would argue that once you put your faith in Jesus, walking any other path other than the path of good works is going to feel awkward. Because you're a new creation, right? So you're created in Christ to do good works. So it feels weird. Like you're not, like you're, you, you're born again. And so you, you, you have a new life. And then you try to walk the old way and it's like, this doesn't feel right. Guess what? The Holy Spirit is the one guiding you and saying, that's just not who you are anymore. You're to walk this other way. Um, I've been quoting Luther a lot and um, I'm gonna continue. He... Um, he talks about Christianity being divided into two planes, like two, uh, two realms. It's really interesting. He talks about the realm of faith, and he talks about the realm of love. Based off of uh, Galatians 5, 6, it says this, for, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor incircumcision have any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It's really interesting. And so Luther talks about this. He talks about... Please try to follow me here. It's really interesting. And tell me if it's not. I think it's interesting. It's very interesting. So there's this whole idea of the, of the, the vertical and the horizontal. 
So Luther talks about vertical and he talks about horizontal. So he talks about vertical as being the plane of faith. And then he talks about horizontal being the plane of love. He also talks about the, the same idea, but it's, it's, it's um, passive righteousness and active righteousness. So it's the righteousness that we receive from God, which is passive because we have nothing to do with it. We, we're just recipients. And then active righteousness, which is our response to what God has given freely to us. It's really interesting. And so we have the vertical. We have the vertical. What we receive from God with no merit of our own, we receive from him. It comes down to us like an avalanche. It has nothing to do with us. We are simply recipients of the salvation from God. This is passive righteousness that we just receive from him. It is this, this rightness before God that is imputed over us. And it's passive because we don't do anything to, to do it, to receive it. We just receive it. And it is a, it is a righteousness that it is, is imposed from God to us as a result of what Christ did on the cross. So we're just like, okay, thank you for all this that we've been received. And then there's a horizontal, right? Which is, which is active righteousness. It's what we give out to others. It's what we, uh, uh, how we bless other people. It's this path of good works that we've been talking about. It's what we do for our others. It's our response to this avalanche of love that we've only been recipients of the horizontal is the way God unfolds his will on earth and this is so important it's so important so let me ask you a question um how many believers are there here like you put your, you put you put your faith in Jesus okay a lot of you a lot of you you put your you put your faith in Jesus how many of you have become believers as a result of someone making the message of Christ known to you? Like whether they spoke to you directly or they invited you to church, how many? How many? Okay, that's like a hundred, that's like almost everybody here. Um, and here's why. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, and then I'm gonna jump to 17. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And then verse 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. This is why this is so important, because there is a continuum happening here. This is why we come to church every Sunday, because we need to hear this message over and over and over again. We need to hear the vertical. It is finished. It is finished. It has been completed. And the result of listening to that over and over again, like we know, like we have everything that we need. Like in Christ, we have everything that we ever need. And then we hear that, and then the result of that is that we are going to, listen to this, we are going to truly love one another. If we understand the gospel truly, we will truly love one another. And here's why. There's a difference between truly loving and just kind of like, yeah, I got to love because this is something that I have to do. You truly love one another only as a result of hearing the gospel. Because when you understand the gospel and you understand that everything you need in Christ you already have, you can love freely because I don't need anything from you anymore. I'm complete. I can just love you. I'm not expecting anything from you. I'm not keeping score. I'm not saying, hey, he did this thing for me the other day. So yeah, I'm going to respond to it. It is a, a, it is a pure love. It is a, a, a love that it is a real love. And that's why we are freed from the burden 
of having to do the things that we have to do because now we don't need anything. Like, I don't need for you to like me because I know that I am fully liked by God. I don't need for, for uh, uh, anyone's love because I, my love is complete in Christ. But here's the problem. I forget it. That's the problem. That's why we need to hear it over and over and over again. Because I'm going to walk out of here, and then tomorrow I'm going to be in take mode again. Like, hey, he owes me this, and she owes me that. That's why I have to come back to the gospel and hear it over and over again. See, I heard a pastor say this the other day. He said this. He said, God strokes, sorry, God stokes faith through the preaching of the gospel. Get that in there. He God stokes faith through the preaching of the, of the gospel. And since our faith needs constant stoking because we forget it, the preaching needs to be continuous. In order for me to love you, my faith must be fueled, and the only fuel for faith is the gospel. So he, he presents this formula, which is really interesting. He says, no faith equals no love. And then he says, no gospel equals no faith. And so the result of that is there's no gospel, then there's no love. If you don't hear the gospel over and over again, we can't truly love because truly loving is born out of being truly loved. You're reminded of the love you already have by the preaching of the gospel over and over and over again. You see, God chose humans to, get, to give this message of the gospel. And you may say, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know all the verses, and I don't know, like, well, yes, part of the preaching is verbal, but a lot of it is just by how you listen and how you care and how you, because many of us, what we do is we, so we know the message, like we know the verbiage of what we need to say, but then we're jerks, and so the result of that is you just, I don't, I don't care what you say because, because your attitude just contradicted your message. Does that make sense? So it's this whole idea of, of being, like if you're, if you're fully loved and you know that you're fully loved by God and fully accepted and fully forgiven, you're free to love because you don't need anything from anybody. You are complete in Christ. And that is a huge burden lifted off of your shoulders. So it's not something that you now have to do or not now that you have to complete. You're complete in Christ. Vertical, right? Complete. It's all been given to you in Jesus. And so you need to be reminded of that over and over again. I need to be reminded of that over and over again. So that then as a result of that, I am free to love. I am free to love. And that's how we change the world. That's how we change our families, that's how we restore our marriages. That's how we restore friendships because we become the message. And he chose us for that, humans, to be that. 